broadcasting from just south of Los Angeles, California. This is the Veggie Power Podcast, exploring topics relating to working out, powerlifting, and everyday advice for lifting and living well. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Contorno. All right, let's veg out. What is up, everybody? Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Wherever you are, I am here, and so are you listening to me talking. I am approximately eight days out from my next powerlifting meet, which is the Ghost Clash, that will be held in Miami. I don't know why in my head I can't say that word without saying it. Miami! So here we are. Man, so much has happened in the sport of powerlifting. My last podcast, I interviewed Emma Jarman, and I didn't really do like an intro where I did an update about what's going on in my life, what's going on in powerlifting. I just got into, you know, in depth with talking to her, and then I forgot to even put my outro. I was so into our conversation and just getting it uploaded that I did only half the job, but whatever, here we are. So I did want to talk about, I'll talk about my prep first, and then I want to talk about a lot of the cool things that have been happening with powerlifting that are going on with the sport of powerlifting. If you don't already know, I would love to keep you informed and in the loop. So this prep um, has, it started out really bad, like to the point where I almost dropped out of the meet, um, the ghost clash. So I competed at the end of September. So October, November, December, I started prep in December. Um, so January, February, here we are. It was a pretty quick turnaround. I had only about two months off before we were back at it again, but I was having some really... Uh, every week it would bounce back and forth between left and right shoulder, um, bicep tendonitis, some capsular issues, some impingement, some pec pain, uh, you name it, it was happening. And I really wanted to go for the world record. That was my goal for the last meet, which I fucked up. And it is my goal for this meet. And I just felt like if I couldn't perform my best, especially in the bench, there was no point in pushing my body through all these hard, grueling, heavy training days, taking all these drugs, taking all this risk when it wasn't, you know, 100% necessary. I ended up going to see an orthopedic because I was having AC joint pain. Your AC joint is where your collarbone or your clavicle meets your shoulder blade. Um, It was inflamed, the joint capsule. And... I got a cortisone injection from an orthopedic and it ended up clearing that issue up to the point where I was able to bench and things were going well. So the biggest numbers that I've hit in prep, um, these are the biggest numbers ever. So my squat has taken off. I'm opening 10 pounds heavier than my best platform PR, which is pretty cool. I'm opening my squat at 484 pounds in sleeves. So Um, I'm entitling this podcast, Records Are Meant to Be Broken, because I want to get my elephant out of the room right away. I have been literally my single motivation to train, to lift, to eat right, to get all the sleep, to do all the cardio, everything for the past like six months has been to get the all-time world record bench. I fucked it up and made a judgment error on it in the showdown where I looked up the wrong record and I was going off of the bench only record. The full power record was much lower and I definitely could have achieved it at that meet, but I didn't due to oversight, which is no one else's fault but mine. So that fueled me to push even harder for this meet. And um, today, Allison Hind 
posted who is um, one of the all-time world record holders for bench only and she posted that she competed last weekend and she was taking a reprieve from social media until she wanted to talk about it that she did a full power meet full power means you did squat bench and deadlift versus like bench only or deadlift only they do not have a squat only category which I think is kind of weird um, you can do push pull which is bench and deadlift you can do squat only you can do deadlift only or you can do full power which is where you're doing all three typically the records for a full power are a little bit lower than an only like bench only or deadlift only because you don't have to do all three lifts in the same meet um, and it takes a little bit more out of you but Allison competed she broke her own all-time world record bench and then Christy Hawkins all-time world record bench in a full power meet and she hit 360 pounds so the record before was 341 for full power and 350, which was Allison's, for bench only. And I wanted to do 342 pounds on my second attempt and then 351 pounds on my third attempt and break both records. And the meet director said I could do bench only as well. But that's not going to happen now. I, uh, I mean, although saying, oh, well, you were going to do 351, 360 isn't that far off, I think 351 is going to be a max. If on meet day it flies and it's like super easy, which now I have to do 352 because that's the actual kilo attempt. I can't chip 350 because that's not a record anymore. Um, if I hit 352 and it fucking flies and it seems easy, hell yeah, I'm going to take a fourth attempt and chip and try to do 361. If not, it will happen another day. I'm still not that far off. I'm just pretty bummed that this close to me being able to achieve and attain that goal, it the you know the mile marker has just been moved a little bit more. But you know when I heard the news, someone messaged me her um, post, and they were like, "Have you seen this?" And I was like, "Now I have. Life sucks." I uh, put myself to sleep, took a little nap because I was going to freak the fuck out because if you've ever had a singular goal or a singular focus that you will do anything to achieve that motherfucking goal and then to find out that you know it's not going to happen before it does is pretty upsetting. And when I woke up from my little pity pouty nap, I realized, like, why do I do powerlifting? I don't do powerlifting to say I have records. I don't do powerlifting to only achieve this goal. This isn't, this hasn't been my goal since I started powerlifting. Yes, it's been a goal of mine now, but the records don't define my status and my growth as a powerlifter. I'm not saying that I'm not going to get it, but I can't let that detract from the progress I'm about to make on the platform this time. Records are meant to be broken. Once I set that record, it will be broken inevitably too by someone else who's younger, stronger, and got a fucking going on. And that is what it's all about, is someone who is stronger to push you to be a stronger version of yourself. So I'm highly um, being a little internal with my thoughts and feelings, and I'm refocusing my energies just towards having a big motherfucking total. I'm actually usually not one that focuses or gives a fuck about total. I care about individual lifts, uh, one over the other, you know, depending on the meat, more than what my total is. But this time, I want a total 1,400. Um, my real goal, and I told Hunter this, is to beat Hunter Henderson's total at 165 pounds in sleeves when she did the showdown. And if I do do that, um, it will put me number 10 all time, men, or I'm sorry, women, any age, any weight class, 
ever in the history of Evers to lift uh, in full power, I will be number 10. And numbers one through 10 in that right now are all wrapped. So to break that barrier and do it in sleeves is pretty fucking sick. I just don't really like wraps. Um, I think they're high maintenance. It's just something that I go through. I've competed in wraps before, but I really like and prefer to be in sleeves. So that's that. Um, what would I tell my athlete? Like, are you only competing just to get a fucking record? Or are you competing to be the best and fucking go there and show people what you can fucking do? And that's what I'm doing. So uh, it's just fuel to the fire. It's for another day, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to do well. I actually have my biggest direct competitor is uh, Chloe Lansing. So for the Ghost Clash, they're doing two payouts. One for wraps and one for sleeves. So there's actually four total. Wraps and sleeves for men, wraps and sleeves for women. Um, so I'm only being pitted against the pro athletes that are competing in sleeves. And of those athletes, really, well, Tamara and Chloe are my biggest uh, competition. So I'm really focusing on strategizing to beat them and whatever I got to do on meet day to get there. I'm going to put on that bar. Do it! I uh, want to talk about Hybrid Miami. I want to talk about Samantha Rice and... I think it's so cool that she got some recognition for, you know, how strong she is, how much work she's put in. I feel like Hunter has been on the top of her game since she joined powerlifting and to kind of have someone that's shaking it up a little bit and, you know, giving her a little bit more to strive for, to try for just as what's happening with me. I think it's always good for us to be able to push each other um, in a friendly and competitive spirit and, you know, also individually. And it was just a great meet to watch. And um, Steven Angelo, who host Two White Lights did the commentary on the live stream and they like interviewed athletes and it was just so cool and I want to bring this up this is just like the evolution of powerlifting is pretty much what I'm going to talk about on this episode some things that are happening the live stream from A1 Digital which is Anna Smash her that's her Instagram her um, company it was the quality and the stream like if you didn't watch it I'm sure it's archived and you can look it up because it was on YouTube for hybrid Miami it looked like it was a professional it looked like it was on TV literally like on ESPN they like had the commentators you really couldn't hear the crowd it was you could just hear the commentary see the athletes it showed their numbers it showed everything like a little stats about them on the bottom they were very prepared as hosts where they had all of the athletes like their top numbers you know what they hit at their last meet like they would go on and be like oh this is only 2 kg under their you know platform PR so they were very very prepared. It was really cool that they interviewed the athletes. So like in between squat and bench, instead of it just going to like commercials or them highlighting and just showcasing the sponsors, he sat the top athletes that were performing the best in the meet down and kind of had a little interview. Um, Angela was the one that was kind of facilitating that. And it was just really cool to watch. It was really engaging. I watched it from top to bottom, front to end, I woke up and I was like, it's Christmas, let me watch this meet. And I even watched the awards, it was very entertaining. So I'm very, very excited that they are also going to be doing the Ghost Clash and A1 Digital is also going to be streaming it and filming it because they do an excellent job. I think the sport of powerlifting for so long has just been like grit and guts, um, you know, going back to the 80s and early 90s. And then the evolution from the 90s to now, it has really become a mainstream sport that has a really low barrier to entry. A lot of people know about it now and a lot of people participate in it at all different levels. But with, you know, today's day and age of social media and seeing things 
at a constant rate all the time in your feed, in your face. The recognition of the sport of powerlifting is amazing. And I think there's other sports that get more like corgi races on ESPN. <laughs> but uh, even, you know, the sport of bodybuilding, like at the highest levels, the Olympia is televised. And I think the inherent flaw in the sport of powerlifting is that there's so many different federations. There's no real way to standardize the process or standardize, you know, the path to higher ups and higher meets, which they're trying to do, which I'm going to get in a little bit later. But because we don't have like the Olympia, we don't have the one crescendo where the best of the best come, we have several different you know, versions of that with these bigger and bigger meets. It started with the Kern. The Kern was the first one to put on a really big meet for the best lifters with the best prize payouts. And people flew in from all over the country for several years to do it. And then other meet directors started getting the same idea of if we put out the money and we get the best of the best competition to go head to head with each other and to be on the, you know, the stage together, they will, it will draw a bigger crowd. And it's catching on in the fact of now that, you know, the filming crews are are there filming it's marketable it's you know it's fun to watch it's a sport and i think that you know we were represented on ellen my girl tamara went there she did the heaviest deadlift out of any female ever in the world in the history of powerlifting of lifting in general and she was able to have her voice be heard and represent the sport so i only see bigger and better things coming in the direction that we're going with powerlifting becoming more professionalized at the higher levels and even at lower levels i've noticed a lot of meets and meet directors are paying out a little bit more i know we're looking to get some sponsorships and to do some larger payouts for the meets that we're hosting over the next year our next one is in may at south bay so it's very exciting and with that with growth and change comes some things that are hard and some things that are good and something that was a very hard transition but turned out to be a great thing is the main event project. Amber Hansen spearheaded it. It is a collective of different women in groups in powerlifting. It's mostly women. I know there's some, some other male allies and other supports out there, but it's to basically expand the women's weight classes. Women's weight classes in the majority of powerlifting federations have two less weight classes than men, and it's capped at 198 pounds. And what that means is that's the last weight category. Every woman that weighs 199 pounds or over was considered, quote unquote, super heavyweight. And that statement alone has pretty negative connotations for a lot of females. They don't want to be classified as, oh, I don't even have a weight category. They just call me super heavyweight. Um, there's arguments on both sides of the table that it is a sport. Historically, all sports categorize weights in this manner. Um, but there's just based on how this sport lies is there's not a lot of small, teeny tiny girls like boxing and things like that, they don't allow heavier categories. Whereas here, they're classifying every single person 199 up with the same for females. And it makes a huge difference when a female is 199 pounds competing against a female that's 169 pounds. So, you know, that 60 pound spread makes a large difference. Whereas weight classes are traditionally, I believe it's around 15 pounds. So 148 to 165, 17 pounds. So they're around 17 pounds in difference. And 
so the main event project, their little, you know, slogan is because sports, because women are a part of the main event and not just a sideshow. So they want equality in the sport for women, not just in weight classes, but one of the biggest things that they did, they started petitioning, they gathered data, they showed in an evidence-based manner that there's a lot of women that would benefit from expanding the weight classes. So long story short, over the late summer, early fall, Almost every single federation has adopted and changed their weight classes. The USAPL um, changed their weight classes to match that of the other federations. They were following IPF standards and classifications, but now they fall under the same weight classes as USPA, WRPF, all of that. I do not believe that they've expanded their weight classes, but the USPA expanded instead of um, the 198 category, it goes 220 and 240, and then it's um, 110 is the kg, 110 plus, instead of super heavyweight. The WRPF has adopted both male and female, same weight class categories, up to 308 plus pounds, and it is just a great thing. I know the RPS did it as well. I'm not as familiar with the other federations that are on the East Coast. But for the most part, the larger federations that service the majority of people who compete in the sport of powerlifting have increased and changed their weight categories to accommodate larger body sizes. So you couldn't tell because you're still listening, but I took a little break and then I just did some research and I found that the USAPL is expanding their weight classes and they also are going back to their original weight class categories. So they very briefly changed to adopt the similar weight class categories of all the other federations and now they want to change back to what they were before, which is, you know, a couple kilograms off of the USPA, WRPF. RPS and such. So um, January of 2021, January 1st, they are adding a 100 kilogram class and a 100 plus kilogram class. So their top weight class was 90. So now it's 90, 100, and 100 plus. So they've added one weight category. Um, and the other federations have added and adopted either two or more than two, which again, I think is incredible for the sport. It's showing a little bit more equality in that, you know, body sizes don't stop at 198 and the amount of women that compete in those heavier categories has enough data to support that it would benefit striating these weight classes into not everyone being lumped together. Additionally, the main event project has some other goals and it's to feature female spotters and loaders when appropriate to not necessarily prioritize men's flights or categories and equal representation on the platform for both, as well as in commentary, meet directors, things like that, just to have the sport be a little bit less male-dominated and a little bit more shared equally as both genders participate in the sport pretty equally. So that is the main event project. It is awesome. I, on behalf of South Bay, donated, I made um, a couple hundred or a thousand, maybe a thousand maybe 300, maybe 500, I don't know, I forget, stickers um, to give to them that I donated to Amber and just because I wanted to support the project in any way that I could. So another thing, another trend in the sport of powerlifting in a lot of divisions is professional series, pro cards, a path to professional status in powerlifting, which Stephen gives me shit and he thinks that it's stupid, but I think it's legitimizing the sport in a way that has not been done before. Uh, how do you say you're pro if there is no, I mean, there's elite and international elite status um, that the USPA designates 
um, which in my mind, I don't think is that hard to achieve. Um, no offense, but an international elite status isn't usually even a Wilkes that would qualify for some of these meets that they're trying to do in the pro series. I think it's a cool goal to have, and that opens up other meets in the USPA. But what I mean by this pro series, um, the USAPL has instituted theirs and um, started it last year, implemented it, sorry, and the WRPF implemented theirs last year. But the WRPF one kind of was a little bit of a catastrophe, and they just released released today the new criteria for 2022. They are having five meets. The first one is the Ghost Clash, the one that I'm competing in. You have to apply to be a part of the pro professional championship. They're calling it a professional championship. Um, you have to compete in at least one of these five meets. You can do all five of them, or you can only do one of them. And then you get points for different things that happen. For example, completing the meet, you get five points. If you come in first, you get 20 points. Second is 17.5. All the way down to fifth place, if you get a world record, you get points. An all-time world record total, you get points. And then depending on what your dots is for the meet, you get points as well. You have to have a minimum of 30 points to qualify to be in with everyone. And then they have payouts um, based on how many points you have. For example, if you get anywhere from 31, because you have to have at least 30 points, so 30 to 45 points, you get $2 per point. So you could win $90, which is cool. It's 90 free bucks that you didn't have to do anything for besides fill out a free application form for the meet you're already competing in anyway. The other meets that are in the series are the West Coast Wreckage. I don't know where that is. I think it's in California. The American Pro in July, and that's in Virginia. Uh, the Clash of Colum Clash on the Columbia, which is in Washington in September. And then the Kern, which is happening, is December 3rd and 4th, and that's the series finale. Um, I guess there is a grand prize and you can only be eligible for the grand prize if you do the Kern. There's a total of $100,000 in prize money. So this seems pretty cool. Um, also, they said that top 30 of the Professional Powerlifting Championship Series point system, regardless of gender, will earn a spot in the Kern. So they haven't 100% said how they're doing Kern invites or what is happening with the Kern or where it's at or anything, but you get the opportunity to compete in it based on this point system. So you have to do at least one of the four to be invited to the current, I guess. Um, I still think it's cool. I also know that the USPA is doing a professional series. They have not announced any information about it yet. I know that they've adopted a panel of powerlifters to help aid in the process of the pro series for USPA. So it's exciting to see, I did not see the showdown on the list of the WRPF. I've heard word that it might be a USPA meet this year, and that's just, you know, confirming my suspicions that I think the showdown will be USPA. So hopefully they will announce soon what their pro series is, unless they're waiting to do it next year, but it's almost goddamn February, so you better be announcing it soon. I just know historically the USPA is a little bit stingy with payouts, as composed as opposed to the WRPF. Um, they do have the monolift rule. In the USPA, you cannot use a monolift, the arms as uh, swing away levers. You have to use it, at walk it out. So if they're going to do a big meet, a lot of lifters are very accustomed, especially if they're wearing wraps. But the showdown is a sleeve meet only. But still, a lot of lifters like to use, utilize the monolift for what it is, especially when they're squatting really, really heavy. 
Um, so I don't know if they're going to change the rules, make the exemption, or just make everyone walk it out. I guess we will just have to wait and see. But overall, I think that having a path to professionalism, having a hierarchy within these meets to make money and do things for the sacrifice that we make, because I honestly think that the USPA nationals and all that shit is bullshit. It's 180 lifters a day for four days, typically, once a year, twice a year, because they do a drug tested and a non-drug tested. And think of that, if, if it's $65 to register, let's just do some math here. 180 lifters per day times four days is 720 lifters. It's $65 to register, which each, the meet director gets the registration money. And there, it's twice a year. That's $93,000. I know there's a lot, they have to pay the venue, they have to pay people, but they typically only pay for best lifter. And then they might pay for like bench only and deadlift only, but they pay like 500 bucks for best lifter. I have $93,000 in profits, and I'm not even counting um, crossover events. I'm sure they get the spectator money because they're also hosting the event. Uh, when people buy shirts, they make the profits off of that. So. I just think that there's a lot of money to be given in the USPA, and they typically don't, which is one of the reasons why in the past I've had a little bit of favoritism towards bigger meets for WRPF. I know a lot of people were pissed off at the WRPF because that they kind of hastily announced that you had to compete in the Ghost Clash in order to be in their pro series seven weeks out from the meet. They announced that, which a lot of lifters were pissed because they wanted to participate in it, but they couldn't prepare and get ready to do a meet in seven weeks that they weren't planning on doing. And then they kind of rescinded that. And what they've put out now with the point system and doing at least one of those four meets and then the current if you want, and to make you eligible, and the more meets you do, the more points you get. That's how I was thinking it was going to go, I think is a much better way. I know they kind of do something simpler. You can get points to go to the Olympia and things like that. So all in all, we're moving in the right direction. There's a lot of kinks along the way for the people who are pioneering this avenue for us as powerlifters to be on a more professional stage and I only think better and better things can come from this. I think the TV networks might be, uh, you know, their ears might be ringing for a new opportunity for some kind of sport to be watched and I think powerlifting is really fun. A lot of people don't <laughs> but at least it is something new and invigorating and the sport is progressing so that makes me happy. So really that's all I had to talk about. Um, I just wanted to address some of the great things that are going on with powerlifting, my uh, mental breakdown that I had today and realizing that I might not get the all-time world record bench press at this meet, but also knowing I have other goals to achieve and my reason for lifting weight and doing powerlifting is not just to achieve records. It is to be a great powerlifter and leave my name and my mark on this sport with my performance as well as the education that I get to give back to the community and all of the things that I've learned. So I thank you all for listening. Um, if I taught you something new today, thank you. Please like and rate my podcast and subscribe to it because I do not have a predictable schedule of releasing. I only do it when I want, and that way you'll get notified and you can listen to me jibber-jabber about it. Hopefully I will do a meet recap and I get to tell you how I broke... 1410 pounds or something like that from a total and I won a bunch of money and it made me really happy so thank you all for listening all right bye